0: Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Inbound Agency Journey. I hope you are having a fantastic day. But let me tell you what, it's about to get a whole lot better because we have Doug Davidoff from Imagine LLC here on the podcast today. Doug walks us through his agency story. They started on the sales enablement, sales coaching side of the equation. And then as the times changed, Notice that the focus was all on how do we generate more leads. So now they are a full-blown inbound marketing agency with a rapidly growing team. They were just five and a half people a year ago. Today they're 12 looking to grow even beyond that over the next three to six months. Doug lays down his mindset on how he figures out who to hire, when he decides to hire them, how they position all of this inside of their strategic plan. It's a great conversation. You're going to get a lot out of it. Without further ado, here we go.
1: Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray.
0: Hey, Doug. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. We're excited to have you on here to hear a little bit about your story, where you've come from. So do you want to kind of kick us off and just share with listeners a little bit about the agency and how you got to where you are today?
2: Absolutely, Andrew. It's great to be here. Thanks for thanks for asking me. Uh, you know, we we ended up being an inbound uh, agency. It's, it's actually kind of funny that I'm on the inbound agency journey. Uh, we got here totally by accident. Uh, the company started in 2004, um, and we were a sales advisory company. So we worked with uh, mid-sized organizations in uh, developing sales process, uh, doing sales training and sales coaching, um, which is a real Painful way to uh, to make a living. Just uh, as a side note, <laughs> um, so o- over time, what we began to see was as as hard as we were working um, to to build that sales process and to work with salespeople, um, it, it felt like there must have been somebody on the other side teaching buyers how to overcome everything we were teaching salespeople, <laughs> um, and 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 so and so we we decided to really look deeply. This was probably about two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Um, we started looking really deeply saying, okay, you know, what's going on? We're in the middle of a recession. Um, we're, we're finding it no matter what we're doing, we get incremental improvement, but we're not breaking through like we wanted to. So we, we just stopped and said, why? And, and we looked at what companies that scaled growth did. Um, you know, who, who were the companies that went from zero to $100 million uh, like it was nothing. Who went from 100 million to a billion like it was nothing. And we even looked a little bit at companies that maybe went from like 1 billion to 10 billion. Um, but because we're focused on the mid market, we didn't really spend too much time there. Uh, what, what we found was that the companies that were growing, even in the recession, looked at lead generation and lead management totally differently than the companies that weren't growing, regardless of sector, regardless of structure or anything. It was just a fundamental difference to how they look at lead generation. So we said, okay, let's, let's fix the lead generation issue uh, for our clients. And so we began to really study what was going on in lead generation, what worked, what didn't, why were some companies able to get traction again and others weren't. And that brought us increasingly to inbound marketing. And, and it's kind of funny because we were doing inbound marketing. Uh, we were actually clients of HubSpot's, of HubSpot, before we were a, uh, an, an agency or a partner. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and, and I actually blogged in the 1980s. There was just no um, platform to do it on. Uh, a company that I actually owned previously with my family, we would pay for a page in a trade magazine, and we would put value-added articles, what we call blogs today. Um, and we would offer uh, premium content. Uh, white papers, things like that, that people could call and get. And that's how we managed lead generation back then. And it was like, you know, it was, I felt like I was going back in time to some degree. Um, but about 2012, we really started looking at inbound marketing as a core way to to drive results for our clients. Um, and it actually took us out of sales coaching. So today we do very, very little of that. Um, then the other thing that makes us a little bit unique that, that I know you know about is, 2013, we launched a, a, a test with a couple of clients um, of introducing what if we manage those leads, what if we added a little bit of outbound to what we were doing with our clients, and that led to uh, the second core part of our business today, which is sales development. Um, so we actually implement and execute sales development programs uh, for our clients. So we're a a, a fully functioning inbound marketing agency, like uh, I'm sure everyone who's listening today, as well as a uh, sales development uh, organization. So we help companies build the sales development process, and we execute it right now for nine clients.
0: That's awesome, Doug. I think there's You know, As marketers, it's easy for us to get wrapped around in the tactics and to see the cool flashy things of inbound. But at the end of the day, it's the bottom of the funnel that keeps the business open and and keeps our clients seeing results. So to almost start there and to approach a client from that perspective, I think is a huge value add for the folks that you're working with. Um, Can you just describe for us a little bit, how do these two aspects of the agency play together? Uh, How do you build strategies for clients that you kind of bridge these two gaps between generating the leads and then sort of this outbound management aspect. What does, what does that look like?
2: You know, it's a great question. Um, I haven't thought about it that way. We we have a mantra at imagine Uh, what we say is, you know, it's not about inbound. It's not about outbound. It's about all bound. You kind of hit it. It's about how do we generate revenue? How do we predictably create clients or predictably create customers? Um, So, I often get – I hear this thing about the gap, and we've actually never seen the gap because we've never looked at it as two different functions. Okay. Some of it might, may have been because we started at the bottom of the funnel, right, and, and we worked our way to the top. And, and so that's kind of how we deal with it. So there's a whole aspect. You know, we're, we're top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, just like everyone you – know, every inbound agency talks about. Um, and we just look at it very much as a holistic process. What do we have to do to, to create awareness – to earn their attention, um, to get some engagement going. Um, and then where we add outbound and where we add our sales development is to say, you know, once we get that lead or once we have some engagement, you know, it's not enough just to wait for them to come to us. So we take a very inboundy approach, a give before you ask, um, you know, take that, that thought leadership position, um, always be teaching is what we say. Um, as we introduce the conversation, Uh, And then with our sales development reps, they they make sure that we get to the right people. We're talking about the right things and we get it across that chasm between a lead being generated uh, and a sales ready lead being handed off in the right circumstance to a salesperson that can then manage the rest of the process.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So now as, excuse me, as you've grown and you've kind of made this transition as an agency, talk to me about the team and how has building a team to support services like this shifted as you've shifted the business model over the last few years
2: you know if i had any idea how difficult the hiring team growing process was going to be before i started the company or before we made the shift that we made three and a half four years ago i i honestly don't know if i would have had the guts to have made the shift so um I, you know i think we we've, we've developed a pretty cool approach in a so you know so far it's it's effective but um Totally from making all kinds of mistakes. I think every hiring mistake that could be made, every team design mistake that could be made, we made it, um, and and we just learned from it. So I, I heard someone say, "You fail your way to success." Um, that's where I think we are right now. Um, you know, so so frankly, it, it used to, you know start off where we would just you know whatever was getting the most noise is where we looked to hire. Um, then we began to say, "Hey, let's you know, let, let's develop our hiring plan. Let let's plan this out." Um, and, and and what we found was that the the biggest mistake that we made was that we kept trying to hire just in time. And I think that's what a lot of small. It's probably the biggest challenge for small mid market companies uh, and, and and for the agency environment is you know we're we're not HubSpot, we're not GE, we're not GM. We we don't have ongoing recruiting where we're constantly hiring every day and and so we have a tendency to wait until we need it to begin to hire it um yeah. and, and then you know the 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 difficulty there is the talent's just not out there the needs too big you end up making bad hires all the time um and and so about a year ago we decided you know we said if we're serious about this and if we're going to grow we've got to allocate some of our resources to being able to continuously being in a hiring position, not necessarily hiring, but being in a hiring position. So, so one of our key people, we actually allocated 30% of his time. Um, it's actually gotten up to about 50 to 60% of his time, but, but initially about 30% of his time to, to really get out there, um, identify people that we wanted to, to talk to. Um, and so we use, you know, career builder, LinkedIn, et cetera, to identify people that we wanted to talk to um, and, and just, you know, in it kind of in the same way that we do inbound marketing. Um, or in the same way we try to generate leads, just begin to get that engagement and that awareness, so that we've always got a pool of candidates that has some level of nurturing going on, so that when we begin to see a hiring need, we we kind of pick up the 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 heat, if you will, um, to move towards that interviewing and hiring process, uh, and, and then ultimately when we decide that we're in an actual hiring position, um, we go into a full scale mode to to be able to hire, um, and and that's really. What's enabled us to to hit our goals um over the last year so we're at 12 people right now seven months ago we were at five and a half so we've more than doubled the size of our team and we'll be at 15 or 16 people by the end of the first quarter um and it would have been impossible for us to have done that without you know beginning to nurture um an applicant pool if you will Uh, before the need arose.
0: That's awesome, Doug. Well, congrats on growing the team that fast. That's exciting to see that grow. When you talk about being in a hiring position, tangibly on a day-to-day level, what does that look like? Is that just relationship building? Is it directly asking people, would you be interested in a position if one arose? How How does one do that on an ongoing basis?
2: You know what? One of the things that's cool about what we do is we're in the business of creating content for the types of people that do the jobs that we want to do. So, you know, we kind of solve this problem for our clients. So we're regularly creating content. Um, And, and so we use that same content approach to, to begin to develop that relationship with, with potential candidates. Um, So, you know, sometimes it's reaching out via you know, we, we've got access to the career builder database or reaching out via LinkedIn or, you know, somebody downloads something from our site. We've, we've picked up actually a few candidates as a matter of fact, one of our inbound marketing strategists was somebody who started off as a lead for our company. Um, and, and so we, we just kind of begin the conversation that says, Hey, how are you doing what you're doing? What, what are you guys seeing? What's interesting to you? Um, how can we create value for what you're doing? So, you know, we, we hire a lot of sales development reps, uh, we create a lot of content for sales development reps. These are people who are always trying to figure out how can they do their job better. So, you know, very often it's just, you know, beginning the conversation, what are you doing? What's interesting? Hey, do you think a tool like this might help you? Um, and they begin to identify us as an interesting company, um, and an interesting group of people. So we kind of get them, you know, we begin to soft interview them, if you will, for, for fit. Does this feel like someone that's going to fit? Um, and then, you know, like I said, we begin to sort it in and, and ultimately move to a full scale hiring process. So yeah, it's a lot of relationship management. Um, we, we haven't gotten it to the point where it's a fully workflow function nurturing process yet. Um, the problem that we've had over the last six months is that the need to immediately hire somebody keeps getting in the way of us building the, uh, the term track, but, but we've kind of just done that on a manual basis.
0: Okay, great. Um, now, before we hit record here, you were telling me about the different types of hires that you make for the company. I want to dig into that here in a second. Um, but first, talk to me about the management process of this all. Are you are you functioning as the HR manager for the agency, um, or is this this person who's allocated thirty to fifty percent? Are they the ones who are walking through the interview process, onboarding these new team members once they do join, putting together the contracts and everything like that?
2: Um, so the person that um, I talked about, the ke- David Fletcher is, our, um, um, is, is the president of our company. He's the one who's really focused on you know, building that candidate pool. And, and so he heads that function. From an onboarding standpoint and an interviewing standpoint, it's dependent upon what area of the company they're being hired for and what the position is. So for example, with our sales development reps, I'm actually not even involved in that hiring process. Uh, david 's other primary responsibility is he runs um, our sales development program, so he manages that hiring process he does the onboarding um, on the inbound marketing side or on some internal positions that we hire then those are the ones where I do get involved from a um, from an interview standpoint and i 'm involved from an onboarding standpoint and to a large degree from a management standpoint as well okay Pro- probably the biggest thing actually this just struck me the the biggest thing that helped us hit the point of, of being able to grow was me being able to let go of having to be involved in every hiring position. Mm-hmm. You know, we're small. Um, but what I realized was, you know what, if I'm, if I've hired somebody to be in charge of something and they fit and I, so therefore I trust them, I've got to let them figure out who they want on their team instead of feeling like I'm always looking over them. So, letting go has been a huge aspect for me to be able to hit our hiring objectives.
0: Nice. Has that been a process for you? Something that you knew you needed to do, but still struggled with? Or how did you get to that point where you were able to just empower those folks on your team?
2: I would love to be able to tell you it was totally by design. (laughs) So the the, the truth is it's something I've always wanted to do. Um, I always liked the idea of well, I want to be for the final interview, the you know the final fit, and make them feel attached. The, the problem was is my personality would then get involved, and I'd, I'd get myself into every aspect of the position. We were actually in a position where we needed to hire somebody to fill a role, um, and the timing was so urgent. And I was out of town, and it, literally for me to have been involved directly would have delayed our ability to hire the person by a month, and that actually would have cost us an important. Um, piece of client business. So I said, you know what? Go ahead, hire. Just if, if you're good with it, make the decision. Just, you know, keep in mind what I'd be looking for. Um, hired the position and, and the guy was a home run. And awesome. I realized, hey, this is pretty cool. Um, this was a lot easier. It wasn't near as <laughs> frustrating. So the next hire, I said, hey, you know what? You know what we need. Um, you're judged on the success or failure. I'm here to be a resource for you. Um, make sure they fit. And uh, other than that, go for it. Right. So that, that you know, just happened totally by need.
0: Start with necessity and let it work that way. That's great. Yeah. All right, now let's dive in. I want to dig into your philosophy here, and you have three different types of hires that you like, or that you filter folks through when you're looking at building your team at the agency. Walk us through those three and how you came to this sort of organization. So, you 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 asked me earlier when we
2: were preparing for this. How do we decide who to hire and when? How do we make that decision? And for years, we we just kind of looked at what positions do we need, and and we we looked at it through the exact same prism for every position. And the problem that we had was that constantly we were always in a position where we needed more people than we had the money to be able to hire. We still are. Um, if if money were no issue, we would probably have twice the employees that we have. And we'd be a fully functioning organization. We'd have an insane amount of unused capacity, but, but we'd have everybody uh, in their right seat. So it just became too complex to to hire smart that way. And, and so what we began to do was we began to, to look at positions and say, what do these positions have in common? Um, how can we make more sense of this? And, and it led to us identifying three types of positions that we hire for. Um there's what we refer to as the client delivery position so so these are people that are tied to delivering our our programs to clients so inbound marketing uh, sales development are our primary client delivery mechanisms um and so you know we've got an inbound marketing team um the way our our service team is built is we've got a senior um inbound marketing strategist who works with 2 to 3 Inbound marketing strategist to kind of do the account management in the day to day. And we have an entry level position, and an inbound marketing associate. For us to succeed in the long term, we believe we have to be able to grow our own people. So, that inbound marketing associate, the idea is we can hire somebody young and inexpensive, teach them our way, teach them our philosophy. They move up into an inbound marketing strategist position. Uh, inbound marketing strategists can move up to be senior strategists to kind of run their team. Um, And in the next six to nine months, we'll be filling a position of director of client services that will oversee those teams. So we develop a career track with that, but we're also able to really tie capacity to positions and therefore also tie revenue to positions. So these positions are very revenue driven, um, very you know process driven what are the functions that are needed um what what needs to be done to deliver the service to our client um and it's a relatively low risk hire for us because by the time we're hiring the we're at least 30% if not closer to 50% at the capacity of that next person before we really have to hire them um and and so our market conditions dictate what we're hiring and so we have a hiring plan based upon our objectives and that gets updated on a monthly basis based upon what the actual results are. Okay. The the biggest wild card is our sales development side, um simply because the number of people that we have to interview to get to somebody um is unusual and we're seeing tremendous growth in demand there. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um one one question off of this. When you said that you when you make the hire, you already have 40 to 50% capacity in place, who's shouldering that burden prior to hire? Is that is that on the existing team that's overloaded that much or are you bringing in contractors to kind of spread that gap? Well, we use contractors to
2: deliver part of our con- you know, some of our deliverables are are delivered through contractors. Um so we outsource a lot of our writing our on our uh, graphic design um, the nature of how our team is structured we actually have every team is built to have a little bit of excess capacity simply because what we identified is you know the the ebb and flow of a month you know of a month to month basis with with a um, with a group of people I'm sorry with with a client base it, we, we, we felt like having some degree of, of capacity for them is is helpful so you know if you think about you know, our, our program is we, we typically have for about you know, 15 to 18 clients, depending upon what size they are, we've got a senior inbound marketing strategist um, and two regular marketing strategists, so two account managers, if you will, that are supporting that. So by the time we need to hire that third one, what, what we're seeing at the point that we hire our third inbound marketing strategist is that our senior strategist has had to come down and manage more of the day-to-day stuff than we want them to. Um and so when we hire that that next inbound marketing strategist they're taking work off of our our senior person who's supposed to be in a more strategic role if that makes sense.
0: No, that makes sense. So you're pulling them sort of up the org chart to relieve Correct. some of that burden that's on them. Okay. Correct. Correct. Awesome. So you know
2: we'll get what well, you know we we might get our team to the point you know at our worst, well actually at our worst we were probably at about 130% capacity. But by design at our worst will be maybe 110% capacity. Okay. Um, and that's by the way, also one of the reasons why we want to hire that. We're going to begin to hire that entry level person who can grow to the IMS because that really gives us a lot more ability to control our capacity. Um, you know, in essence, our primary hires are more entry level than they are mid level. Okay.
0: Awesome. Uh, what's the next type you're looking when you're growing the team? So this is the toughest one.
2: It's what we call the capability position. Um, This is a position that puts us in a position to be better at what we do. So they increase our capabilities. So for example, when we made the decision to hire a full-time marketing manager for us, that was a capability position. It didn't carry revenue directly. It didn't carry capacity. Um, When we decided to hire our dedicated sales development rep, that was a capability position. Um, in the first quarter of this year, we've got a capability hire plan for a front-end developer. Right now we outsource our web development when needed. Um, and you know, there's it it works, but if we had a full-time front-end developer, as you know, if we had a full-time front-end developer on our team, we would be able to do more things and enhance our offering more. So it's a capability position. There is no per se client service demand on that. There's no direct revenue to cover that. So it's a more difficult hire for us. It's a, those are the higher risk hires, if you will.
0: Yeah. And so when you think does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. When you're thinking strategically, how do you account for someone like this in your, as you're looking forward as part of your growth plans, how are you accounting for these, um, capability hires that, you know, aren't really tied to they're not going to help generate new revenue, they're not going to sustain revenue, but obviously they're key to the overall growth and direction of the business. How do you choose when's the right time to pull the trigger on someone like that?
2: Well, so th- theoretically they do help us gain revenue. Um, that, that's, what the, you know, that, that's what the bet is, is if we bring them on, we're going we're gonna to be able to gain. But it's not, it's not there, and I, I, we're saying the same thing, but just just wanted to be clear there. So what we do is we tie those hires to our strategic plan. So every quarter, we redo our strategic plan. Um, I, I read somewhere that fast growth time is warped in a fast growth company. In a fast growth company, a day is a week, a week is a month, a month is a quarter, and a quarter is a year. And so we kind of live that life, if you will. So we treat our monthly reviews like most companies treat quarterly reviews. And, and every quarter, we literally redo our strategic plan. Um, so what we do is we look out. We look out three years. We look out one year. What do we want to be? What do we have to be able to do to be that company? Um, and so about six, nine months ago, that's when the front-end developer got put into the plan. Um, knock on wood, we're on target to, to hit our objectives for that. But you know, we realized to be the company that we want to be by the end of 2016, we had to have web development capabilities in-house to really enhance that offering um, and to be able to do more things. Um, and every quarter that gets updated. So sometimes those positions get accelerated because we're ahead of plan. Sometimes they get pushed back or sometimes they get eliminated because we thought it was a really cool idea. We thought it would make sense. But as we lived that that next quarter and we saw where we were, we realized either we actually had that capability and we didn't know it. We could outsource that capability or maybe we don't even need that capability. Um, when the position gets into the hiring mode, so, for example, right now a front-end developer is in that, that plan, and this usually happens about three to six months before a capability position gets directly hired, unless we're in a great situation where you know, we blow away a number and, and we have more resources and we can you know, take a jump forward. Uh, we set everything to a trigger. So right now our front-end developer, we have to hit certain criteria um, from both a revenue and a client-based standpoint to be in a position to hire that, that front-end developer, um, so, and we expect that to happen probably in March. Um, and so we're building our, our candidate pipeline for that. Um, again, softly right now, in February, we'll turn up the heat because we'll be that much closer to confirm that we're going to hit that trigger. Um, and when we hit the trigger to determine, yep, we're ready for the hire, which means we've got the money to be able to cover it. We can deal with the risk associated with it. And we're in a position to take advantage of the capability that they bring, um, then we move forward. So that's really the three decisions of, you know, do we move forward with that person? Can we pay for it? Can we manage the, the risk that's associated to the position? And are we in a position to actually take advantage of it? It's really the third one that we made more bad decisions um, that we learned from is we would hire somebody because we thought this would really help. And then we had that person and we realized we actually weren't at a place where we could take advantage of them. Um, and then all of a sudden they didn't really have the job to do, and so we had them do something else, and that's not what they were hired for, and of course it didn't work, and you know, yeah, didn't work for anybody. So that, that those are the three ways we go about deciding on that capability position.
0: Great, that's really helpful to just hear. Well, you can plan for something, but then to put the plan in place to know when these three things happen, boom, we're ready to roll. Right, I, I think that's cool to have those. It's it'd be just valuable to have those metrics in place, so it's less of a gut decision, more of a metrics decision. Share- and I would tell you on on on
2: that on that position, ideate. I, I hate to use the term ideate. I, I sound like I'm I must be in San Francisco, but <laughs> ideate 8 that position. Um, the worst things I've ever done. I, I you know I'm I'm a type A entrepreneur. Hey, wouldn't it be great if we had somebody who could do this? Yeah, that'd be great. Quick, guys, let's go out and hire them. Yeah, and then you know. 3 weeks later you're like why was i thinking that
0: <laughs> what do we do that for
2: <laughs> you know so so what what we've learned is on, on a capability position especially a new one we've got to wait 6 months before we go into active mode because sometimes we just love the idea um and and so if we find ourselves in our strategic plan going yep we need that yep we need that you know, we had one position where where three quarters in a row, we were like, this is the strategic hire. This is what we need. If we can get in a position for this one, we're going to break free. Our last quarterly review, we looked at it and we said, you know what? We don't really need that position. Um, if, if we had not let it sit and wait, we would have hired somebody. It would have been an expensive hire and it wouldn't have worked because ultimately we didn't actually need that capability, th- the specific capability that that person brought, we were actually looking at the symptoms of other things that weren 't working right, and we were re- I, I, this might be the biggest hiring mistake, and it 's just hitting me right now is don 't hire a person to fix a process mistake or I should say a, a person can fix a process mistake, but don 't hire a person
0: when what needs to be fixed is a process yeah there 's no band aids or magic. Magic people out there that are just going to come in and into a broken system, sprinkle some pixie dust on it and make everything go right. And if the system's broken, then they're going to be broke, too. Yeah. And if they're onboarding, too, that's going to be the that onboarding process there into a broken system is chaotic. And that's going to hurt the ebb and flow, the, the morale of the team through that process as well. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Well, that's good on the um, capability side. Take us into that third type of position that you guys offer and share with us. What does that process look like to grow this area? Third one's
2: really easy. It's, it's what we call just a tactical hire, just because we didn't have a better word for it. Um, and yeah, so, for example, we're in the next 60, 90 days, we'll probably be making a tactical hire. Um, we do a lot of writing. We've got a great group of, of freelance writers, but as our business has grown, we see that number increasing And actually, we've identified one of the freelancers. We're beginning to have conversations with them about coming on full-time simply because when we take a look at what we're spending for that capability, for that writing capability, from an outsource standpoint, we're almost paying a full-time salary right now, and we don't have full-time access to it. So those are the types of positions where we're, we're basically already spending the money and at that point, we look at it and they say, "We say it just makes sense to bring it in house." Now, it's not just a money decision because sometimes, well, like we'll still be working with other contract writers because they have certain specialization that we need. Um, and if we just had somebody one person in house doing all the writing, it wouldn't work. But what we're looking at from that core writing component, it just makes sense for us to bring that in house. Um, and, and so that tactical hire is a really simple decision, which is the needs there, the money's already being spent. It's really not even a cost decision. Now it's just a people fit and capability decision.
0: Okay, awesome. I love the, you're going to, if you're paying for the you know the freelancer near that level of full time person, but you don't have full time access to that person. I think that's a good way to look at it because it's not just a dollars decision, it's also you know, what can we do with this investment that we're making in right. this person? So that's a, right. seems like that's a good bar to look at when you're looking at that talent area. Um, can you give us, can you share with us a story or a recent hire that you are really, really pumped about? And what area of the business did they take over and did they kind of help r- relieve some pressure from internally?
2: Yeah, sure. I'll give you I'll give you two. One is is the bigger one. In fairness, we're still early there, so I don't I don't want to declare mission accomplished quite yet. Um so the the, the big drawback for us has been for years. I've been too involved in the client delivery side. Um and while I'm good at parts of it, I, I was not put on this earth to be a project manager. Um and, and and so for years we we've been trying to find that person that can get me out of there. Um, and, and actually, what happened what led to us being able to successfully hire this person was failing at it miserably about two or three times because we kept hiring a person and and what we realized was that we had a problem with the process and, and the reason that i wasn 't able to get out was because the process wasn 't ready either, and so we spent a heavy bit of last year really focusing in on improving our internal processes, um, getting the project management function in place that allowed us to define more clearly what type of person, what knowledge Um, we, I I had the people that worked with us begin to catalog. What were the things that I did with clients? So we could actually look at a list and say, okay, these are the things that we need to hire somebody who's capable, you know, to be capable of doing. Um, And so, you know, frankly, through a lot of networking and recruiting, um, recruiting efforts, we found somebody who had actually just left an inbound marketing agency because of some internal issues that had happened there um, who was really looking for the right opportunity. And I remember in the interview, I asked her the question, uh, well, when I see you in five years, what will you be doing? And she said, well, I'm going to be owning my own agency. And then kind of laughed thinking that maybe that was the wrong answer to give in in an interview. (laughs) And, And I'm like, no, that's exactly what I want. I want you to own this agency. You'll just do it as an employee. Um, that you know that that's our job. <laughs> that that's our mission. Um, but you know, so she has that ownership mindset. Um, she has has that I, I call it that middle knowledge. So like, I get strategy. I get the big picture. I don't have the experience or or the attention span for the just heavy heavy middle things that make inbound marketing really work. Um, so we needed to combine experience with fit and also a, a personality. Clients, you know, one reason that clients like working with owners and with, with senior people, it isn't just because of the experience. It's because of the command that they bring to the table. So, you know, when clients talk to me, they always know I'm in charge. I'm, I'm in control. I've got. it, And so they're comfortable to let go more so. Um, and, and what I found with, you know, very capable people, but if they don't have that command, that that client doesn't feel like the person that they're talking to maybe has it e- even when they do. And so this person also brought um, that command to place. Um, and she's been with us now for, for a little bit over a month. Um, and we are roughly three months into where we expect it to be. In terms of the impact that she's having with clients, the role that she's playing with clients, um, and the amount of time that's been freed up. For example, I'm able to do this podcast, um, and I don't have to worry about the client call that's taking place right now. Um, and 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 so those things have been um, been very good. Uh, and and the, the the you know really proud of the recruiting process we, that we brought to bear. We we had an opportunity because she was on the market for a very short period of time, but because we had done all that work, we didn't have to interview five people to feel like we found the right person. Um, and and so far, that's been a tremendous success. That
0: is awesome. Congrats on that. Thank you. Awesome. You mentioned another position that you're fired up about? So the, the, the other position that we're fired up about, and this is really cool because it, it, it
2: you know, the idea of being able to make that repetitive hire is something that I've always dreamed of. And and what we've built on our sales development side, um, our ability now to be able, you know, the, the, the position that we've got clearly crafted of, of who are we looking for? What capabilities do they have to have? How do we assess their strengths and weaknesses? How do we bring them on board to be successful and be productive on our sales development side? Has been, um, you know, fr- frankly, beyond what I thought we would actually be able to achieve. Uh, we've hired four SDRs in the last four months. We're going to be hiring two more in the next 30 to 40. Th- five days um and they are in place and and just to give you an idea we talk to or review 100 sdr candidates to get to the point where we actually hire one so it's a very intensive process to find the right person Mm -hmm. but they're productive in week two um and they're producing results by week four week five um and and again this is a very you know very specific very directed um Effort that you know responsible for driving some very important results for us and our clients, um, and the formula that we've built to to be able to replicate that hiring, which is critical, as as you know, to being able to scale the business.
0: Yeah, having a framework in place that you follow in each and every area of the business, locking down the processes, so it's not just you're not putting the weight on the shoulders of that one person, but you're bringing them into a system that helps move the entire business forward helps them do their jobs a lot better because they're free to just expand in that space. But also, as the owner, it gives you the peace of mind of knowing that you're building a business. You're not just building it on the right people. You've got those processes in place, and you're building on a firm foundation right there. Doug, thank you so much for just coming in and laying it out, sharing your model, what's working well for you, the lessons you've learned, the mistakes you've made. I think there's a lot of great takeaways from what you've shared here. Uh, before we sign off here, if vi- if uh, listeners want to just reach out and say hello, what are one or two places where they can find you?
2: Uh, on Twitter at Doug Davidoff, or you can always just email me at douglas.davidoff at imaginellc.com.
0: Awesome. Well, Doug, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to have you here on Inbound Agency Journey. Thanks, Andrew. This episode of Inbound Agency
1: Journey is brought to you by Let's Game Plan. The premium training product designed to help marketing agencies build better inbound marketing strategies for their clients. If you want to learn how to sell, build, and deliver an amazing inbound strategy for your clients using a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com slash gameplan. Again, that's doinbound all one word.com forward slash game plan. Now, back to the show.
3: All right. Welcome back. This is Gray jumping on with Andrew to recap his conversation with Doug here on episode 44. Andrew, I liked a lot of the stuff that you guys got into, how they kind of became an inbound agency by accident. Uh, Doug mentioned starting blogging in the 1980s, uh, at least producing helpful content and using that as part of the sales process. A lot of different things that you guys got into. um, The breakdown of the three types of positions, I think, is something that we could hit on. But From that conversation, what stuck out to you? What are the things that you'd want to emphasize to folks listening?
0: Uh, I think the first would be start at the bottom of the funnel and work your way up. Uh, When we're working with clients and we're building out their inbound game plan together, that's where we start them uh, with content just because that's the area of the journey that the customer has the most expertise. And what I like about Doug's approach is they start – even lower and they're working not just at the you know the bottom of the marketing funnel but they're working through the sales process with folks and having a grasp of that process, um, just walking into a strategy session beginning with the end in mind. Where do you want these leads to end up and starting there and then building up and get to the top of the funnel? Uh, if you're a tactical marketer, that's my background it's easy to think top of the funnel down. Um, but I think from a business perspective, if the end, if the end goal is getting sales leads and getting new customers, we need to start at the bottom of the funnel and work our way up.
3: Right. Yeah. That's cool. That they kind of came coming from the sales development strategies background and then growing into inbound, um, and how that stuff works together. I think that is a, a great point It's just starting from the end and working back to the beginning. That's it's something that, um, I think that's something that a lot of agencies are gonna to continue to pick up on here in twenty sixteen
0: yeah, another point I took away um was Doug's structure of just rolling with a like a twelve week year and ninety day stretch run um so setting setting realistic goals but setting them within a a realistic time frame as well if you set twelve month goals. Um, you know, we really don't think much beyond, uh, you know, the next few weeks out in front of us. So you set a goal and you have until next December to hit it. You know, you're not going to see an uptick in activity until um, maybe November, December, because you know that there's that sense of urgency there. But when you shrink the year down, things become much more rapid in succession. And I think you can achieve some greater growth goals if you operate off of a, a smaller structure like that. And that's something that you and I are working on right now here in 2016 is putting more defined structure around that model. Uh, it's been in our minds and it's been something that we've um, all sort of followed. But having more structure in it this year is something that we're excited about pushing into. And it's cool to see how Doug has that structure set up and how he's setting those triggers in place so that his team grows with the company there. Because when you break down these three different types of positions, uh, client delivery, you know, it's pretty tactical there where you've got clients to service um, the capacity hires there those are strategic investments it's going to help you attract more business in the future but you've got to have the resources there to pay for them because they're not going to immediately produce revenue on their own those are things that are basically investments in the business and then those tactical hires you know having a the, the stopgap in there of having those contractors in place and then getting to a point where you know you're paying someone who's around the same level as a full-time employee, but you don't have full-time access to that person using that as your trigger there. I really liked how they had broken that down and thought strategically about it. So it almost takes the emotion out of it, Gray, where I just know that in order to keep going on my scale, I need to hire this type of position in this quarter. And since they've always got that uh, talent pool going, they know the type of person that they're going to bring into those positions.
3: Right. Yeah. And Doug talked about To be able to fill those positions, just dedicating the resources to be able to recruit and to hire. And talked about one team member. He's got one team member who's allocating a minimum of thirty percent. He said probably closer to fifty percent of time to recruiting and hiring. And obviously, there are going to be other folks who are involved in that process as well. But I think that's a that's something that I'm seeing on more and more agencies' sites is the careers page is finally starting to pop up and become a. become a consistent page. And there are a lot of agencies who were starting to add positions that they hire for on an ongoing basis and just denote, uh, Hey, we're not hiring for this right now, um, actively, but, but if it's the right fit or it might be something where we start the conversation now and move towards that. So I think sourcing and then also kind of having that, I, I think we're going to start to, as, as agencies continue to grow and teams continue to grow, and this is going to happen in house as well, but we're going to see, uh, um, a much larger wave of talent acquisition and talent competition um become a become a big emphasis for a lot of agencies here in the next couple of years and moving forward and so I think doing that on an ongoing basis is going to become a pretty important role
0: for an awful lot of agencies yeah, I think also one last takeaway from this conversation was um you know people aren't the pixie dust to solve all of your agency's problems. You need to have a process and a system in place and then get the right people on the bus at that point so that they're operating within a structure and they are then freed by that structure to pursue the best based on their talents and their position and their goals in that structure. So don't just think you can go out and hire a few people and start delegating out and that that's going to be – you know the magic spell to set you free as an entrepreneur you've got to step back and look at the structure that you have in place and make sure that you have documented processes associated with that structure so that those new hires that are coming on they've they know what they're doing they know what success means and they've got a clear runway towards you know a healthy happy workplace environment
3: absolutely Good stuff. Well, let's wrap up right there. Guys, hope you enjoy this episode and the interview with Doug. If you have any questions or comments, you can always head over to the show notes at doinbound.com slash podcast and leave us a comment there. Find us on Twitter or shoot us an email. All those links will be in the show notes as well. We appreciate your time.
1: Hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, .com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.